Welcome to the Betterish Podcast. I'm Angie. And I'm Malin. We can't guarantee this podcast will improve your life, but we hope it will at least make you laugh and think about being better-ish. Good morning, Angie. How are you? Hey, Malin. It's like barely not morning anymore. It's still okay to say good morning, but like... Oh, oh no, no, no. It? Never mind. It's it's almost no. noon here, but you, you know are what? earlier We're in different me. time zones, so it yes. is still super it is morning. morning here. Good morning, Malin. How are <laughs> good you? Good morning. I'm so good. I'm actually doing really good. Uh, I was thinking yesterday, like, I actually feel really okay. Probably the best I've felt since March, despite everything going on. I think I'm in a really good place. How about you? Um, I'm getting in a better place because my kids are going to summer camp. What's signifying the change for you? I don't know. I can't figure it out. I think, um, honestly, I took a break. Well, so (laughs) so I woke up the other morning and I thought my Instagram was broken because all the squares were black. Oh, like no, yes. I like I didn't know what was going on and then I like found out about it and I was like oh that's great like I want to participate in that and so I really did like I spent a few days just consuming as much as I could to learn about racism and what we're all doing wrong and how we can improve and be better and I think that just uh, using my brain like I've just been mush for a long time I felt so actually just like being actively engaged in something super important but also stepping away from social media I just had so much time to do so many other things and I was never thinking in the back of my mind like oh I need to respond to so-and-so or oh I hope so-and-so didn't give me crap for that thing that I said or I I didn't have to worry about any of it and I was such a good mom and a good wife and I like really took care of myself and I just feel like despite like I know that the world is crap right now like so many mm-hmm. bad things are going on but I don't know you probably maybe I saw it from you or someone posted it I don't know who came up with it but it was like maybe 2020 is the year that we all needed for like major growth and I mean bad things have happened and I hate to say that like this is what we needed because ugh. but I I don't know I feel I feel like I'm a better person than I was in March for sure and I, I saw like that, that too I saw that going around and it's like we were all very uncomfortable. We were forced to feel very uncomfortable about mm-hmm. all of the, I mean, the pandemic, mm-hmm. the uncertainty, and now the racism being put in the spotlight. We all feel very uncomfortable. But on the other side of discomfort is usually growth. It's usually yeah. learning or it's it's something significant. So I, I always try to remember that when I'm about to do something and I feel like really nervous or uncomfortable, I have, I usually think if it was easy, it probably wouldn't be that significant. But the fact yeah. that I'm nervous or shaking or kind of worried means it's probably something that's important. And even though I'm uncomfortable, the whole point of growth is like out of your comfort zone. You'd never grow. Right? You're always in there in that, that comfy little box. <laughs> that's true. And I feel like I was just, you know, like a lot of us were just in our little boxes and I was totally fine in my little box until my box was like, shattered and now it's like oh my gosh like all these things but I don't know I just I just feel really good I feel like I've learned a lot and I feel I you know I sometimes feel really helpless um just how how do I fight race how do I stop racism like what does Malin do and um so just looking at how I can help and I mean all the information that I've come across has been super helpful and and I want to teach my kids to be better and I was really inspired the other day too even by your post that you you've been posting really good things Angie um thank you you just talked about how your husband wasn't home and you were really really scared you want to talk about that for a second yeah and I think so me and Melinda are white let's make sure anyone who doesn't know that knows <laughs> super that. white we are white and I appreciate I'm going to talk about my my husband's black for people who don't know that. My husband's black 
Um, so I do have his perspective, and I think if you grew, me and Malin grew up in a very white community in Idaho. There wasn't mm-hmm. a lot of diversity there. So, mm-hmm. and that's not our fault. Like, and I think that's why it's okay to say that you feel good. Like the fact that you learned, because I think Enrique, my husband, told me that the he doesn't like the word privilege and white privilege because it's just mm-hmm. like such a buzzword. Like it's a triggering word for some people. Mm-hmm. They politicize that word. And he's like, and you shouldn't feel bad that you grew up in Northern Idaho. Like you didn't choose that. It's like, I didn't choose. Like that's what it was. But mm-hmm. the fact that you married me and you learned, like now you feel better that you realize you can do more, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's okay. That's, I really am glad that you shared how you feel because I think that's, a lot of people are like feeling guilty that they didn't know better or whatever. And that's a waste of time. Don't feel guilty. Feel like Malin. Like, I feel like I know so much more now. I feel like I feel more empowered about what I can do. So the thing I shared about my husband and the other thing, it's the other side of that, of being raised in Northern Idaho. It's that when, and even in Utah, when we lived in Utah, Enrique didn't face a lot of racism in Utah, but he thinks it's because he was literally like, there were just not many other black friends Hmm. that Mm -hmm. he was just seen as like the exception, just like, Hmm whitewashed is how he put it like people didn't really make fun of him for his race because he just acted and hung out with all of them and it wasn't it's not that they were racist there was just they didn't i don't know he just didn't they didn't say anything about it there was just i don't know maybe because there wasn't a black community there but he was around but in the immigrant community he was in the well i should say in the brazilian community but he was a lot with a lot of immigrants they still they had their own culture but he didn't experience a lot of racism around that is what i'm trying to say mm-hmm. so but in that that mindset kind of has like carried over to people who have met him I I don't know I don't want to call anyone out (laughs) I just say people who have met him who who didn't understand this the racism the reality of racism or even the immigration situation this is like what we said in the immigrant episode people would like hear about Enrique and think he was the exception like yes we want these policies we want DACA and stuff for him but they thought he like, but everyone else, this would be a bad thing. Like they didn't, but ev- but there are also bad people who would get it, but they don't, mm-hmm. he's not the exception. <laughs> I guess that's what I'm trying to say is that Enrique's not the exception when it comes to black people or immigrants. So he's, so what happened the other day was his phone got wet or something. He went fishing and it fell in the water, I think, and it got wet and it was not working. It was like, it wouldn't hold a charge. We took it to the store. They said it was the motherboard. He, they got a wireless charger because the charging port and it wouldn't charge. So, but anyway, he was working at an office. My husband's a dentist about half hour away. It had charged to like 4% on the wireless charger. But then he called me and was like, they closed the main highway and they're detouring us, but my phone is going to die. And I was like, well, don't talk to me, save your battery if you need your map. And then I get to like a bunch of texts a few minutes later. That's like 1% I'm lost. And that was it. And I was oh like, my oh, gosh. Well, I'm, well, if they're detouring everyone, like, he'll figure it out. Well, he didn't figure it out. That was, like, 5, before 5.30. And 6 o'clock rolled around. And 6.30 rolled around. And then we rolled up on 7. And that's when I started trying to do, like, find my iPhone. Where was your last location? And this was also, like, the day or two days after the George Floyd video went viral. And so I started panicking because we live in the South. And I just thought oh my gosh, what if he ran out of gas? He always lets his gas, he doesn't run out of gas, but he always flirts with that empty line. And I thought, what if he, his detour, he didn't plan for that and he ran out of gas and got in trouble and, you know, he was flustered and ran into someone who just took his aggression the wrong way and was, and and I just kept thinking about George Floyd. I kept seeing his face, my husband's face. And I was like, I just was so scared. And, mm-hmm. and then like 7.30 rolled around. He finally 
pulled in the driveway and I was so like, I was so happy to see him. I'd never been so happy to see him. And he was like, I was so, I thought you were going to be so mad at me. And I was like, I'm just so happy to see you. And then I thought, that's so messed up. Like, why would I, I hate that I have to think that. I And mm-hmm. the reason um, I posted about it is because I don't think Enrique's job is to post or tell anyone, any white people that mm-hmm. he feels that fear. I don't think it's his job to like depict his fear and trauma and he doesn't need to exhaustively try to share that with the world to make to make people believe him that's yeah ridiculous so i made that post just saying it's yeah i i'm sharing this because it's my job to speak out not his it's not we should be able to extend that empathy without <laughs> you know what i mean but we don't so that's not even the first time anything and nothing happened. I mean, he got home just fine and didn't experience anything. But things have happened. When we lived in Richmond, he was racially profiled several times. And I always couldn't believe it. And I, I think I still had a sense of, like, he was the exception. How could this happen to Enrique? Like, don't mm-hmm. you know him? People always joke he could be the mayor. Like, he's so friendly and makes <laughs> friends, like, with everyone he meets. But it had nothing to do with his personality. It simply had to do with how he looked. And that's when I kind of, you know, when you learn these things, it's like, you don't just do a 180. I think that's what's mm-hmm. kind of frustrating when I've talked to people who I don't think quite get it yet. I am like, but you saw that video, but I'm telling you this happens to, I don't know a black person this hasn't happened to, some type of racial profiling. This isn't just what's in the news. The whole movement is that it happens to every black person. It's pretty widespread. Even just the looks, even just the, we took our kid to the hospital to get x-rays and I handed, Enrique was going to take our son who's white back and they stopped him and said, whoa, whoa, are you the boyfriend For the stepdad reals? nope he's the biological dad i mean oh just the, the racial profiling happens all the time to so to every black person and so that's what it's about and it's not it's about well the army the army actually came out with a really good statement about how they are going to they see the the voices are loud and that's why protesting is important the voices are loud and so they know there's a problem. And so they're going to do, they're going to turn and look inside to see how they've been a part of the problem and what they can do. And I thought that's like the best example for what everyone can do. I think the Amy Cooper situation that happened in New York is another great example. Mm-hmm. How dangerous she was when she was got called out. She knew that the threat of calling the police on a black man was a dangerous threat. That like was she horrendous. That. That, was that was so, it was, it was oh my appalling. gosh. Yep, she knew. And I just thought how many... So then it's the it's the it's not just the police brutality, but it's like the Amy Coopers who call the police on a suspicious black man walking down the neighborhood. But they have a right to lock. They're just just because they're black doesn't make them suspicious and they can walk down the road. You know what I mean? Or like what happened with um, Ahmaud Arbery. So I think it's important to look inside each of us and kind of think about what I call the cops. Would I be would I feel suspicious? Well, would I if it was a white person? I think that's like the internal like inventory we can take on ourselves is how can I how do I contribute and then I saw this other really good post um and after I share this we can talk about the protest that I went yeah. to that was really good or I want to hear can, all about it or anything else that we could talk about oh is it not there anymore it was oh I can find it it was basically like what I'm doing as a white mother and I thought this was important um because things I'm asking myself as a white mother do my child's classmates all look like him what version of quote-unquote history am I teaching my children and what about their school how many books on our bookshelf have black main characters who do my children see me socializing with how diverse are the toys in our home or at daycare who do we see at birthday parties church and sports 
Are black educators a part of our school's leadership or teaching staff? That's another great way that moms and dads can do kind of an inventory of how inclusive they have been in their lives and in their parenting, and Mm -hmm. they can see where they can improve. I like that. I like the idea of just all, like, if everyone can just look within themselves and be like, what can I do? Like, even if you don't think you've been, like, going out of your way to do anything wrong, like, we can all do better. Like, what can you do to be more inclusive, to be better, to educate yourself, to educate your children? I think that's, I was talking to someone the other day that, like, we said, we grew up in Idaho. We weren't around any diversity and I posted online the other day, the only thing I ever had really learned about other races was inaccurate racial stereotypes that I saw on TV. I just wasn't yeah. exposed to anything else. And like you were saying, like, that's not my fault. That's just like what I saw. Like that's, and, but I knew that racism was wrong. I just, I hadn't had any interactions with anybody but white people. So moving to San Antonio for me was this beautiful, shocking experience. And I love that I get to raise my kids here. And I was talking to a friend the other day and we were like, you know, we've been te- or talking to our kids about what's going on in the world right now. And our kids, they, they learn about racism at school and stuff a little bit, but they're just like baffled. Like, well, why wouldn't people treat my friends the same way they treat me? Like it, they are just so exposed to it all the time. Like my children are like minor- minority here. Like they're all their friends are from all different races and religions and they're just very open and accepting. And I think that we have to like, yeah, start our kids really young even if you're not in an area with a lot of diversity, like just teaching them that we're all equal, that all of us um, have so much to offer and can learn from each other and you're not better than anybody. Yeah, and if, I mean, you can't, this doesn't mean you can immediately like change who your neighbors are, or where you live or like what yeah. school your kids go to, but even just books where the main characters are diverse, are black, Mm -hmm. and TV shows. You know, if the TV is only showing the racial stereotypes that we saw growing up that led us to, you know, to be blind to to reality, then change what they're watching. I think kids' shows are doing a much better job at that, honestly. Mm -hmm. I I love shows that, I mean, like, even (laughs) Daniel Tiger and... I like Barbie Dreamhouse, even though Barbie is like the most stereotypically white person ever. That act, that show is actually very progressive and there's a lot of diversity on it and a lot of like, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of shows out there. I don't know if Barbie is the best, <laughs> the best example to be promoting, <laughs> but I, it is progressive. It has a diverse cast, but just TV shows, movies, books in your house, toys, get, get diverse toys in your house just to normalize the differences. You know, don't, that everyone, there's not one right way to look or, you know, I don't know how, I don't know how to say that tactfully, but I'm trying. (laughs) Right. I I think that's the thing too, too, is like, we can be super, I, so I posted the other day and I was a little bit nervous to post to say anything because I don't want to say the wrong thing. And I definitely don't want to offend anybody. And someone uh, messaged me back and they were like, I think that a lot of white women are really afraid right now. Like we're you know, with social media being everywhere, like what we say, like if you take it the wrong way, like an example would be I'm in this um, group with a lot of business owners and uh, the other day a business owner was kind of, she's she has a huge account. She has like hundreds of thousands of followers and she was responding to some comments and people were just like attacking her for it. And then in this private business group that I'm in on Facebook, all these women were like, go unfollow her business, don't buy from her ever again. And they were just like ripping her apart. And like, I don't, I don't know anyone that was involved in that, but just to watch it, like how quickly, and I think this 
white woman business owner was really trying to understand. Like, I went and read her comments, a, a few of them, and they were things that, like, uh, I didn't see anything wrong with them. But again, like, I don't know if they were wrong. Like, I just, I didn't know. And to see her business being attacked, and I was like, what if that was me? And people are just afraid. We don't want to say the wrong thing. We definitely don't want to offend. We're trying to understand, but it can be hard getting different messages from everyone like you're you're bad if you don't say anything but don't say the wrong thing but don't don't post it here and don't have like I just you know everyone's a little bit nervous and I I just want people to know that like especially like you and I we're trying we're trying and we want to learn and we want to do better and I think that a lot of women just don't know a lot of white women just don't know what to say right yeah I think with that I I don't know because I didn't see that woman's post, but I wonder if maybe she was had said the wrong thing, but then was defending what she had said. And I there's a really good Instagram account called Mo Motivate, M-O-E, then the word motivate. Her name's Monique Melton. She's an anti-racism educator. She has a huge Instagram account. I highly recommend following her. But she talks about white women staying in their lane and leading anti-racism work is not our job our job is not to lead we have we need to follow and amplify their voices center and she talked about it's going to be uncomfortable white women are not used to being um, told what to do by black women basically Mm -hmm. and it's going to be uncomfortable for us but if we really care about helping and want to help and want to change and want to know what to do then if you say the wrong thing and someone calls you out for it, then be humble enough to realize that that wasn't the right thing and then Mm -hmm. do better. You know, I think maybe that's where she might have gone wrong. She said the wrong thing. But this isn't about us or our feelings or how we feel about it. It doesn't matter. I mean, our feelings don't matter when it comes to this. Mm -hmm. It it, it just doesn't. And so I I think if everyone followed Mo Motivate, I'll tag her in one of our posts. She yeah. makes, she made me feel uncomfortable, but like in a good way. She had, oh, she has a whole post called Learn How to Take Correction from a Black Woman. And she said, I mean, just black culture is so powerful and important. And it's also why it's so painful to see when you appropriate it. That's another conversation. We know how you show up in the world. We write books about it. We are teaching our people about it. And we've created resources and you're going to mess up. And it's not about, she says, it's not about perfection. It's about growth. But because you, for so long, you didn't even know this type of work existed and you didn't think you needed to do it, you've declined and ignored our repeated attempts to bring you into this work. And now, look, things are a hot-ass mess and that's on you. Oh, we'll have to beep that out. We've been trying to teach you, guide you, and bring about the change that is yours to make by starting with yourself and you've ignored us like you've been conditioned to do. So she's just talking about, like, you're going to get defensive, you're going to get cry, you're going to call us aggressive and we know that you will tell us that this is why you don't do this. This is why we don't say anything. We know you'll blame us for your internalized white supremacy. We know that you'll give up before you even get started, especially when we correct you. Correction is not only a part of this work. It is this work. But you don't know how to handle correction from a black woman. And that goes all the way back to the power dynamic established in 1619 between black women and white women through the dehumanizing legal institution of slavery. The power dynamic has a long and brutal history. And so she's saying... In, though we're telling you to follow the lead of black women, your internalized white supremacy will make it impossible for you to do so in a way that's affirming to our humanity unless you're deeply invested in this work of anti-racism. And even though you mess up, you'll be able to appropriately respond 
to the correction and keep going. I think that was that message right there. And mm-hmm. even then, you're going to mess up. But when you're doing this work and you're doing it for the right reasons, you'll be able to appropriately respond to correction and keep going. This post is so, it's just like a carousel of her, um, her words. It's a just, and that's, oh, you guys just need to follow. It made me uncomfortable to read that. Like when I first read that, I felt uncomfortable. But then I was like, but she's right. If we really care and want things to change, first of all, we won't be afraid to speak up. But, you know, it's like what we tell our kids. You don't know until you try. Like, you have to try to ride a bike before you get it right. And you're going to fall and then you get back and do it again. Like, if you want to show up the right way, you just first need to show up and then expect to be called out or do it wrong and then tweak and then do it better. And then, you know, in time, it'll be easy for you to say the right things and do the right things. But to get to, to, to show up now and then get offended when someone says you're not doing it right or, you know, that actually you're missing the mark and then yeah. to just shut down is not the way to do it. It's to I think accept correction. So many people are so prideful. Like, it's okay to be wrong and it's okay to say I'm sorry and it's okay to move on from it. You know, yeah. like, I just, sometimes I think people need that reminder. Like, I, I sometimes need it. Like, Melinda, it's okay. Like, relax. Like, not just about this, but like everything just like I don't have to be right just say you're sorry and move on like do better exactly make it the normal that once you learn something new you change your opinion about it that's okay it doesn't make people think less of you I think people don't want to come off across as hypocrites you know Mm -hmm. to you don't want to backtrack but that's not hypocritical that's learning and that's growth that's how we make progress and we don't stay stuck so um I think it I mean, she, I was literally reading her words. I was quoting her words. So go follow Mo Motivate. It's Monique Melton on Instagram. And you'll learn a lot and just learn. Just read it, share it, because I like the Amplify Melanated Voices movement going on right now. I'm going to share. I recorded a lot of the protest I went to yesterday, and I want to share it on YouTube just because yeah. they, I don't, it's not, I want to speak up for my husband, but I can't speak for the whole, obviously I can't and shouldn't and should shut up when it comes to trying to speak for the for anyone who's black but um mm-hmm. but at the protest yesterday so i'll talk about that a little yeah, bit the tell protest us all about yesterday it. it was fantastic it was a rally so we actually just sat uh, at a community park and we had our signs but we sat and listened to speakers and it was very powerful actually um there's a lady named i think her name's sandra or sonia patrick she is the leader of the okay let me get this right sandra patrick the Hold on. The Southeast chapter of the, okay, North Carolina Black Leadership Caucus. So it's actually a national organization, but she's in charge of the Southeast part of it. She had just come from George Floyd's memorial because it was Mm. in North Carolina, not too far from where I'm at is his hometown. So she was at that and then came to speak here. But it was really cool. Actually, the police spoke, the chief of police spoke, the sheriff, and even the mayor spoke. They're all white men. And then Sonia Patrick spoke. There were a few different reverends there who spoke. There were uh, two radio DJs there who spoke. And then they had an open mic and just let people speak. And there was this one girl. She was so articulate. They didn't have a list of the speakers beforehand, so I can't remember all of their names. But she was 20, and she was a student at NC State, I think. And she talked about how black people have been trying to do this on their own for 400 years, and it's not working. So people are finally seeing these videos and saying enough is enough, and they need their white allies to spread their message and amplify their voices and be that bridge between the people like us who are from northern Idaho and not Mm -hmm. maybe just we have sympathy we're so sad that's happening but like that's not even in our realm of imagination Mm -hmm. we're so distanced from that like but now we get it so we need to be the bridge between 
that that the movement and the people who still don't get it. So the other really cool thing was they had a voter registration and almost every single speech talked about voting. You need to register to vote. You need to vote. If you want things to change, you have to vote. You need to show up. You need to join committees. You need to join commissions. Are you on the committee? Are you involved in your community? You. It was really cool. And I think maybe the overarching message I got was when I just kind of noticed what kind of messages were coming from white people and what kind of messages were coming from black people, it was that the white people, we even had a county commissioner there, they said, I know you don't want to hear from me. I can't say that I understand, but I'm here to listen, to learn, and I'm here to, I'm here. Tell me what you need. That was Mm -hmm. it. They didn't speak up. They didn't say a single word about violence or rioting or looting. But and I think hmm. that's where I'm getting frustrated with social media is I'm seeing a lot of people saying racism is real, but violence is not the answer. But that's coming from white people. And I think black people don't want to hear they're not they have their own leaders. They have their own parents and leaders in their community who can tell them how to mobilize and move forward. And they're the violence is I mean, this is all about white supremacy and and racism. So white people saying that violence is not the answer to solve racism is falling on deaf ears like you're Mm -hmm. not you're gonna show up better like how these southern (laughs) white men who are republicans like it was really cool to see them show up and just say i don't i can't say that i completely understand but i'm here to learn and listen and support you that's Mm -hmm. it like that's what you need to do because the black people are listening to their own leaders, their parents, their reverends, the leaders in their communities who are saying, you need to vote, you need to join this committee, you need to do this, we need to, you need to get your friends to register to vote. They are the ones who get to quote Martin Luther King Jr. They are the ones. Their community will listen to them. They're angry at the white community who has been silenced and racist for so long. So you showing up to say looting and rioting is not the answer. No, all you have to do is show support. That's how we move forward. Their community is saying that. They're saying what they need to about whatever. But the white community just needs to show up and be supportive. That's mm-hmm. it. And that's what that was really that's what I got from the protest. It was like they have all the leadership and the messages they need about how to mobilize, but white people just need to shut up and listen and say, "I'm here, how can I help?" And it was just really cool. But those were the overarching messages was talking about Um, reparations and voting and joining committees and showing up they talked about it was just powerful they talked about they don't just want the cops who did this they want their bosses and they want their bosses Mm -hmm. and I was like yeah that's exactly right it's the, the, the problem was not just with those cops who hired them and who hired them so it was just yeah it was just powerful it made me feel like I knew what I could leave and do and also, it, there was just a, a teacher who was an immigrant, got up and spoke. She was white, but she just talked about, a lot of the messages also talked about kids, like your kids love, and the youth around the country are stepping up and saying, you can't treat my friends like that. Mm-hmm. Enough is enough. We can't, we won't tolerate this. And one of the speakers had a beautiful message, and he said, they, there's not a, it's not a, you know, a youth millennial thing and versus a, an older people thing. They... They are taking action and going to the streets, but they need our wisdom. So let's give them our wisdom while they are taking action. We work together. And I was like, that's really beautiful, too. Mm. And the teacher talked about how it starts in the classroom. It starts at home. It starts with the way you talk about other people. And, yeah, they're not going to do it. It's not that our parents were racist, but also, like, there was not a lot of inclusivity in my media or my books or my toys. 
mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And so I think it starts with, it, it was just really powerful to hear the messages about, yeah, teach your kids to do better and they'll stand up f- to do the right thing. And I don't know. So that's kind of, I'll post the vi- The video is going to be like an hour long. So I don't know who will watch it, but I need to, I just feel like it's a way I can amplify the voices that I heard without, because I don't want to talk too much about this. I just, I am talking a lot about it right now, but I just, I'm, the, I love it. you know, talk about it. And that's what they said. They share our stories, share our voices. And that's, I guess, what I am trying to do is just sharing what they're saying in an act of solidarity and to get other people to listen as well. Yeah, I think that's, I think you're doing all the right things. I think that's what we're supposed to be doing. And that's just, that's a lot. I like don't even know what else to say. We don't need to say anything else. We can, we're right at 29 minutes recording this. So maybe that's a good place to end. Uh, Well, I just saw the other day, I think Kristen Bell posted it. It was a picture of aliens and it was like coming up in July and the aliens were like, we're next. Like, I'm getting nervous. Like, (laughs) (laughs) so who knows what's going to happen next month, but 2020 has been a real swear word. Let's just hang in there. (laughs) But we're here for it. We're here for it. Let's just do our best to be better-ish and thanks for listening, guys. Talk to you soon. Bye. Guys, thank you so much for being here. We truly consider you part of our Betterish gang. We would love to hear your thoughts about this week's episode. So email us at betterish.podcast at gmail.com or message and tag us on Instagram at betterish.podcast. And if you like what you heard, don't forget to leave us a five-star review on iTunes and make it real good because we might just share it here on our next episode. And bonus points if you share the Betterish podcast with all of your friends.